Hi, and welcome to the Burning Ones podcast. Our desire is to see people all around the world burn for one name, Jesus. We pray that you experience the love and power of Him through this journey. Thank you for joining us, and may burning witnesses arise. I'm going to open with you. To 2 Peter 3. And we're going to hop in for a couple of minutes, and then I'm going to pray for you. Um, By a couple of minutes, what I don't mean is an hour and a half. Um, Some of our team thinks that's what I mean when I say a couple of minutes. We're going to jump in to 2 Peter chapter 3, and I'm going to read that, and then we are going to look at once again this beautiful passage that we have in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, where Paul's um, statement here is, we are now ambassadors. We are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making an appeal through us. And... He says, uh, I'm reading it in the NASB. He says, we beg you on behalf of Christ. Be reconciled to God. Um, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. This is strong language that Paul uses. He says, we beg you. We beg you on behalf of Christ. Paul understood his life in the context of it not being his own anymore. Um, He says in other places, Galatians 2 has some beautiful language there where Paul once again is communicating, he's revealing the content of his heart and through communication to those in Galatia, um, he says, my life actually isn't mine anymore. Um, It's no longer I that live is the way that he would say it. Wow, how, how many of us can say that? That there's not a very pronounced, a very demanding, a very critical and competitive Um, There's not an I in my life that is always wrestling with God's desires. There's not an I in my life that is always subjecting God to my own ambition. There's no longer an I that is alive in my life that is fighting for my own way, that is fighting to establish my own dream, that is fighting to establish the things that I believe should be associated with my call, my lifestyle, my desires. Um, on and on and on. My, 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 I, I, I. Paul says, um, it's no longer I that live. Um, because all of that stuff has been put to death. Uh, all of that stuff, meaning the fighting for my, the fighting for I, all of that stuff has been laid to rest at the very onset of this thing, at the invitation to the gospel, when it was announced to me, when Jesus revealed himself to me in the initial invitation, I recognized that um, if I was going to follow, that the beauty of the initial invitation is if any man should come, uh, any man, zealous Pharisee, multi-million dollar corporate executive and CEO, um, if any man should come, rock star, worldly, iconic figure in Hollywood or music, um, if any man should come, stay-at-home mom, changing diapers, raising disciples, um, if, if any man should come, if any man's heart, by the power of the Holy Ghost, becomes sensitive to the nearness of God and his desires which have been worked in and through Christ to the announcement of this beautiful gospel. If any man should choose to respond, for no man can actually come to the Father, right? He has to be drawn by the Spirit. Um, 
or at least that's what Jesus said. He said, no man can come on his own, but it's the spirit working in you according to the father's desires that reveals me in your heart. And then it's that same tug of the spirit that brings you to the point uh, where we can surrender our lives and pledge our allegiance. Paul saw himself in the context of being a representative of another. Uh, he did not see himself any longer as being a representation of himself, meaning in the idea that he was living life for himself, trying to establish himself as Paul, according to the wants, the desires, the lustful demands and cravings of Paul. He says, it's no longer I that live. Oh, man, that's that's kind of tough. It's no longer I that live, but it is Christ who lives in me. And he says, for I have been crucified to the world and the world to me. And as a matter of fact, to just one up all of that, he says, even now, this life that I live in the flesh, I actually live it by faith in the son of God who gave himself for me. Um, I realize that it is Jesus by his own spirit that is now alive on the inside of me. And I now have become a representative for him living life faithfully in the earth as an ambassador, not just an ambassador of a worldly construct or a worldly system, not just an ambassador as we have in governmental terms of the nations of the world, but an ambassador of a heavenly reality, the powers of the age to come. I now am a representative. I am a representative of Jesus. Um, and as a representative of Jesus, he says, I beg you, um, I beg you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. Let's look at a couple of verses in 2 Peter 3, and then we'll share just for a couple of minutes on the idea, uh, delayed but not disconnected. Um, delayed but not disconnected. Um, in 2 Peter 3, You know what, man, I want to read it all, um, but I won't do that. Uh, you know what, let, let's start with verse three. Know this, first of all, this is Peter writing in my Bible. It is subtitled or it, it's, it has a heading attached to it. Um, again, the original letters did not have these headings and, and so forth uh, because, again, it was a letter. So Paul or not Paul, Peter is writing a letter and mine in the subheading or in the subtitling there says the coming day of the Lord. So the idea is what is being said here is to be seen. It is to be heard. Um, the lens through which we are to hear what it is that Peter is communicating is the idea of the coming of the Lord, the day of the Lord. Um, prophets throughout the Old Testament would have considered in their prophetic unction, uh, in their speaking for the Lord, in their being seized by God's voice, um, they would have communicated in a variety of places throughout the Old Testament um, that great and terrible day of the Lord. The day of the Lord that prophets saw as both great and and terrible. Um, in Matthew 16, when Jesus is offering this invitation to those that are with him, and he is really laying out uh, even what we started with that shaped Paul's understanding. He says, if any man would come, right, let him first deny himself, pick up his cross, follow after me. Uh, for what will it profit a man to gain the whole world, but to forfeit his soul? Um, Right, because that, that's the idea, is that we can gain the whole world and then lose in the end. Because we did not live life the right way, um, we lived it for the things of the world, for ourselves, rather than, which is the invitation, denying ourselves, living in a way that honors the Lord, 
setting an anchor of hope into the person of Jesus, the announcement of the gospel, the beautiful vision of the age to come that our lives have been captured by, if you would. Uh, We need to repossess, if you would, by the power of the Spirit in our own hearts and lives, a vision of the age to come. Um, But after that, Jesus says, um, for the Son of Man will return. And he will come riding on the clouds in all of the glory and authority of his father with a host of angels. And he talks about majesty, dominion. Again, there's a variety of translations. So the exact uh, verbiage or wording there may be a little different depending on the translation of your preference. Um, But the idea is very simple. He says, for I, the son of man will come again. And it is to this coming again of the Lord that prophets prophesied. And in their way of describing what it was that they saw by the Spirit, they used words as great and terrible. Um, For Jesus said in Matthew 16, I will come again and I will come with my judgments and with my rewards to recompense men. Um, So the idea of it being great and terrible is a beautiful tension that God will be glorified in the midst of what we would consider to be opposite extremes. God will be glorified in the way the prophets prophesied that it will be great. And God will be glorified in the way that prophets prophesied that it will be terrible. Um, God will be glorified in his judgments and God will be glorified in his rewards. God will be glorified in his mercy and God will be glorified in his justice. God will be glorified not in one or the other. These are not mutually exclusive ideas or categories as if one could only exist if it were independent of or isolated from, if they were separate conversations, if the ideas theologically could not coexist because of the tension of the way that we, in our own finite understanding, would try to bring definition to these ideas that are associated with God revealing himself and being glorified in himself in both, in how he will unveil and reveal an amazing wisdom, in how he will unveil and reveal the beauty of his wisdom that right now he is working out and has been working out since the beginning of time. God has a plan, he has a will, We should be filled with the knowledge of that will, uh, which is what Paul's exhortation to those in Colossae was. um, The Colossians, Colossians 1, be filled with the knowledge of God's will. Ever since I heard about you, I've prayed one very specific thing, that you be filled with the knowledge of God's will. God has a plan. God has a will. There is a purpose to all of what is the perceived madness that right now is happening throughout the nations of the world. And at the climax of time, at the consummation of the age, when all of what we know and are experiencing right now as time comes to a close, God will reveal the beauty and the power and the glory of his own wisdom that he was building, that he was demonstrating, that he has put on display, that at times, if we're just going to be honest, uh, we are finding real trouble trying to understand what exactly it is that God could be doing. Um, Because on our side of life, we right now, um, we have trial and we have sorrow and we have persecution, and we have suffering, and we have testing. Um, And then outside of all of those things, we have what we call preference um, and opinions that just makes things way more difficult and at times just gets in the way and becomes troublesome or problematic uh, because some of us can't seem to over time be broken by the power of God's own spirit working in us 
to our own preference. Um, but this is what's wonderful about what Paul is communicating. Um, I see myself as a representative of another. Uh, all of the eye has been laid down. Um, I do not belong to myself. I belong to another. Paul used in several places the language of being a bondservant to Christ, being a slave, being literally chained to Jesus as king and now being subservient to his will, his heart, his desires, finding his joy, his purpose, his delight for the remainder of the time that God has given him to steward in the earth as he lives out his life in a way that is going to honor Jesus as king. I find my purpose, my joy, my delight in being a bond servant, in being a slave, in literally being chained to Jesus as king. My life doesn't belong to me anymore. I'm now living it as a representative of another, uh, which means if we're just going to uh, bring it really all the way home, uh, what that means is the gospel has to be more powerful than our preference. And this is sort of the idea that Peter is communicating as he is building up in the idea of the return of Jesus, the coming of the Lord, that great and terrible day of the Lord when the Son of Man returns to bring all of the world into a beautiful obedience to God's loving intentions expressed through his righteousness, through his holiness. Um, this is the idea which will require rewards and judgment, mercy and justice. This is what Peter says. Know this, first of all, that in the last days, mockers will come with their mocking, following after their own lusts and saying, man, Peter must have had social media, um, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. That they're mocking the apostles in the conversation of the Son of Man returning. Hey, man, like y'all keep talking about like the Son of Man is coming back. Y'all keep talking about Jesus is going to return one day. But we ain't seeing none of that. Everything is keeping on like it's been keeping on. Nothing's changing. Stuff remains the same. There's still trial. There's still pain and persecution. We're still going through tragic scenarios and unique suffering. There's powers and principalities. And God doesn't really seem to be interested about doing anything about it. This is the mocking. They're mocking them in the idea of being faithful in the earth and living in light of Jesus coming back. Um, for when they maintain this, it, it escapes their notice that by the word of God, the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and by water through which the world at that time was destroyed, being flooded with water by, well, but by his word, the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. And we'll land on the next two verses. But do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord, one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like one day. For the Lord is not slow about his promise as some count slowness, but he's patient towards you, not wishing for any to perish but for all to come to repentance. Peter is writing and mentions ungodly men, mockers, those who want to ridicule, they want to hurl their opinions, they want to make fun, they want to live in such a way as if the conversation, which we know is reality, our hearts have been possessed by it. 
God has shared his spirit with us as a down payment. So we know everything that he has promised is yes and amen. How do we know that? Because we bear the spirit as a down payment of the fullness of things to come. God has given us a deposit to make good on so that while we linger longer in the earth, while we remain and steward our lives well, we know that every single thing that he has communicated in this word, we know that every single prophet that has prophesied, we know every single promise that has been released and revealed, it is yes and amen in Christ Jesus, that it is all true. Why? Because an ounce of it is true. And if an ounce of it is true, then it's all true. And the ounce that we bear in our own lives is we have been possessed by the Holy Ghost. God has made a deposit into our lives. He has taken up residency on the inside. He has literally shared himself with us. Um, and he shared himself with us. And because he has shared himself with us, we know that all of it is true. He's given us a down payment. Why? Because just as you do, um, I remember in stores, in days when they used to have a thing called layaway. They may still have layaway somewhere, I, I guess, I don't know. But the idea of layaway was, hey, look, I really want this. Right. Like, like, man, I, I got to get it. It's on sale. It's this, that, whatever. And it was the best when they would offer deals and sales that you could also execute layaway plans with. So that way you didn't miss the moment of opportunity. Um, but the idea was, hey, I really want this. And so what would you do? They would require an initial deposit. They would require a down payment. Why? Because it was the way that you would demonstrate or express your desire for the thing that you long to possess and to make your own. But though you were not taking it with you right then, you made a down payment, which was the promise that you would come back to get it, baby. Woo! And we have the Holy Ghost. Um, man, that's a thing all by itself. I want to get up and run. Um, he has made the down payment that we are not just here wandering around, going through nonsensical, tragic situations, that all of our suffering is in vain and it's not serving any real purpose. It's not all purposed or climaxing towards something that God is doing or building what he is laboring for throughout the nations of the world. We are not here just randomly, but he has made a down payment. And if you are a believer in Jesus and he has shared himself with you, and you have the Holy Ghost on the inside, um, you may not understand it all, but you definitely bear witness. You definitely bear witness. And there's a troubling, like Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4. Man, while we are in this fleshly tent, we groan. We groan because we're troubled, because we know that we've been made for more than the immediate fleshly tent and the setup of life under the tyranny of powers and principalities. We groan and we ache and we long and we're filled with this burning jealousy because yes, now by the spirit we see in part, but there is coming a beautiful moment, a day, an arrival of unveiling where everything right now that is groaning and grinding on the inside, we're going to get to step into the fullness of. It's coming. We are heading towards it, and it is heading towards us. And Peter is writing because there are those that are mocking. And the way that he responds to them is he encourages them. Beloved, hear this. That, that's, that's Peter. That, that's what we read. Um, I mean, I guess I could say something like that to you as well, but that, that's what Peter said in Second. We are in 2 Peter, right? 2 Peter 3, verse 8. He says, Beloved, remember that a day is like a thousand years to the Lord. Um, so none of us are going to know what a thousand years is like until we get into the reality of eternity. But even in the reality of eternity, the governor, if you would, that is hovering over all of our lives that is called time. We are born into time. 
our lives are governed by time, but we at times need to be reminded that time is something that is subservient to God. For God exists outside of time. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the author and the finisher. He is the beginning. He is the end. And he is not, as we talked about with the conversation of mercy and justice, he is not exclusively one of those things, depending on the moment. He is the beautiful tension of both of those things simultaneously at all times. We are born into time and our lives are governed by time. But time is a tool that is subservient to God's desires. Why? Because time is something that God has created and because he has created it, he wields it in his hand. It is a tool that serves his purpose. And one of the primary purposes of this age that you and I are living in, um, meaning the experience of time, generation over generation, um, creation itself, living inside, if you would, of the idea of time, it serves a unique purpose. And one of the primary purposes that time is serving is to prepare a people for Jesus. To prepare a people for Jesus. Again, because right now the Father is fashioning a beautiful people. Right now the Father, by the work of the Spirit throughout the nations of the world, is honoring and exalting Jesus throughout the nations of the world by him being honored and exalted in the hearts of men and women, sons and daughters that respond to the announcement of the gospel, yield their lives as covenant lovers to King Jesus that are willing to now live in light of the reality of the age to come. Again, we are heading towards it, but it is coming towards us that are living in light of what we have been seized by in a vision of the age to come, which is what Paul says. I now see my own life as a representative. I see my own life as an ambassador and that representative or being that ambassador carries a particular mission God is being exalted and he's being honored because he is preparing a beautiful people for his son this is a people being harvested from every tribe every nation every tongue seems like mission impossible God is going to do it he is doing it he will continue to do it and at the consummation of the age he will be glorified in it in what in a people that he will possess by his own spirit. Again, even if you die, you've got the Holy Ghost. And just like Jesus, who went into the grave, raised up by the power of the spirit, even if you have to go into the grave, there is going to be a day when the shake, rattle, and roll hits that graveyard, wherever it is that you may be laying, and the Holy Ghost is going to stir on the inside of you, and the dead in Christ will be raised... Um, at least this is what we should believe. This is what's communicated to us. This is what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 4. At the day of his appearing, the dead in Christ will be raised. Um, and those of us who are alive at the time of his appearing, we will all together ascend. Who is all together? A beautiful people from every tribe, nation, and tongue. A beautiful people harvested from the nations of the world. A beautiful people without spot wrinkle or blemish a beautiful people that revelation 19 7 calls the bride invited to the marriage supper of the lamb where the ceremony will be the marrying of the son in an eternal way to the bride that he thought was to die for that he was willing to lay down his own life in order to secure the moment where eternally he would be able to be married to this beautiful bride that his father is fashioning by the work and the power of the spirit to be a people, a church, a family with no spot, no wrinkle, no blemish, a beautiful people living in an otherworldly unity, glory for unity, 
Glory for the maturity in unity. Glory for the contending, for the preserving of that beautiful unity. Glory. Um, And God will be glorified in it. And at the end of time, we will cross over into the place of eternity. But to this, Peter is writing and he says, we must be reminded that a day is like a thousand years to the Lord. How can that be? Because God is not bound by time the same way that you and I are. Even in a simple way, and we've said these things if you've been tracking with us, um, our birthdays are a reminder that we are getting older. Um, God has existed from eternity past and eternity future. He has no beginning. There is no origin. There is no place of birth in order to make the announcement of his arrival. There is no initiating of him, even as he himself spoke to Jeremiah out of chapter one, before I formed you, I knew you. Um, There is no one who says that to God for God was not created. He has existed forever and ever and always. Um, Amen. Praise God. Uh, So he is not bound by time. But the idea is that whether it's one day or a thousand years, it's all the same because he is not bound by time. And he says, you must be reminded that a day is like a thousand years to the Lord. But then he encourages them that God is not slow as you would be considering because of the way that you are influenced and your life is governed by time. He's not being slow. You see, the heartache at times is when we survey the land like Habakkuk did in Habakkuk 1. And injustice, injustice, how long will I continue to cry out, but you don't seem to care. You don't pay attention. You don't seem to have a desire to be involved because nothing's changing. Here we are suffering. Here we are being persecuted. Here the nations are in an uproar. There's tragedy that is hitting the world. And where is God? I don't know. I keep crying out injustice, but he's nowhere to be found. And he doesn't really seem to care. Um, God speaks to Habakkuk in chapter one. And he tells him, hey, listen to this, man. Um, Even if I told you, what it was that I was doing, you wouldn't even believe it. What is he saying? He's telling him, um, your perspective is limited. You see things through the lens of your own preference and your own opinion. Um, And at times that's problematic. You see, because you and I, we're not always thinking the same. Um, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, My ways are not your ways. I'm not like you. And that's the problem. Is at times you want to make me more like you rather than yielding to me making you more like me. Um, That's not the way this thing works. I understand that human tendency is always to try to have a God in its own image. Um, But you see, I've gone to great lengths in order to secure a people that I can form in my own image. Um, And that's the way that this thing works. And I know that at times, because of how you're influenced by the circumstances or the scenarios that are unfolding throughout the world, as you are living and experiencing these things, I know that at times you are deeply troubled because you have an idea of who I am and what I'm like. But just as he told Habakkuk, you keep crying out to me. And I understand it because you are, you're discouraged and you're frustrated. And let me ask you, Let's sidestep for a second. Um, Are you frustrated and discouraged right now because of things that are happening in the world? Are you frustrated and discouraged because your idea of who God is is being challenged right now? Um, Because the idea that you have of who God is, or at least who you think he should be, um, or who you want him to be, in moments in response to things that are happening in the world, um, your idea of God is being troubled. Uh, Possibly your idea of God because of the way 
Things are going, have been going because of the way that things have gone. Historically, your idea of who God is has been shattered because there's no way, as Habakkuk was crying out, that God could be who it is that you think he could be or should be or at least who you want him to be because of the circumstances that are crashing in on the world and how we have to live in light of the experiences that at times we don't really think God cares enough about in order to intervene in, uh, to reconcile them the way that we would place a demand on him reconciling. Habakkuk says, I keep crying out injustice, injustice, but man, like, where is God? Are you frustrated? Um, are you confused? Um, because of God's perceived delay. This is what Peter says. He says, God is not slow as you would consider him to be slow because you are thinking about him in light of your life being governed by time. You see, we are governed by time so much so that when we're late, we know it. How do you know it? Because the pressure of time Actually, for some of us, uh, we know we're late and we actually don't even give a rip. We don't have that same pressure of time that rests on us. Punctuality is not something that necessarily governs our lives. Uh, and we just don't care. And then depending on the region of the world where you live in, um, I guess at times it's a funny American thing. Uh, at least when you travel the world, this is what you hear. Um, you Americans are controlled. Your lives are governed by the clock. Um, and culturally throughout the world. And if you've lived in other places of the world, if you're there now, then these things are comical to you because you already understand what it is that I'm saying. Um, but he says, God is not slow. Um, we feel anxious. We get gripped with haste. We feel the pressure of time on our lives. And so we experience things that we know to be or the way that we would at least define them to be as delays. And what does a delay mean? If you call someone and you tell them, hey, I'm on my way, but I've been delayed. I got stuck in traffic. It means that there was an assumption. There was an idea. There was something that you had formed in the place of your understanding that would have brought you to a conclusion that an Arrival would have already taken place, but that idea is being delayed. Why or how? Because I'm not there yet. And so I'm calling to let you know that I have been delayed. This is what Peter is communicating. You see, there's problems because you think that God is slow to act. You think that he's delayed somehow. You think that he should have already been somewhere that he should have already done something, that he should have already intervened, that certain things should have already been reconciled. He says, but beloved, be reminded, a day is like a thousand years to the Lord. Um, God is not seated in the heavens being pressured looking at the clock. Um, he's not seated somewhere in angst, um, unraveled because of the, the weight of anxiety and all of those emotional attachments because of time. Um, God is never late, as a matter of fact. Um, he always shows up on time because he interjects himself when he desires to. Now that may seem like, sound like, feel like a delay or being tardy, or not arriving on our assumption of when that time should have happened. Um, but God always arrives on time because he lives outside of it. And because he lives outside of it, he is not pressured by it. Uh, and this is something beautiful that should set a certain amount of freedom in motion in our hearts. Peter says, beloved, please be reminded. Um, a day is like a thousand years to the Lord. It's all the same. It's all the same. Whether it's a day, whether it's a thousand years. Um, because God, again, is not burdened nor governed by time. He created it and it is serving his purpose. Therefore, he is not subservient to it. It 
is subservient and is a tool to him. Um, God is not a tool that is working in time. Um, time is a tool that God is using to serve his purposes. And he is being glorified in time, through time, and will be glorified at the end of time when all of his wisdom that he was working throughout time will be on full display and the whole mosaic will all make sense. Though there's misunderstanding now, at the end there will be a beautiful picture that we will see in fullness of what God was doing, how he was doing, and he will be glorified in all of it um, because he was working throughout all of it. But Peter says, not only is he not slow, but he's actually being patient with you. Because it's his desire that none would perish, but that all would be able to come to repentance. Wow. He's not slow. Um, he's actually being very patient. And even in his patience, he's being glorified. You see, we understand that Jesus is right now seated at the right hand of his father. And he's awaiting the day, like he told the disciples, no man knows the day or the hour. No man knows the day or the hour when I will come again. Only my father. And there's coming a moment in time when the father releases his son to return. And when he releases his son, King Jesus, the son of man, the crucified one, he will come as the lion and the lamb. And he will be glorified as the greatest of all time. <laughs> uh, we can put an end to your debate. It's not Jordan or LeBron. Um, the goat is actually a lion and a lamb, and he's both at the same time. Um, and he is the greatest of all time. And he will be exalted as such for all eternity once time comes to a close. But Peter reminds us that he's not delaying as if he were slow, as if he forgot, as if it's just not on his radar or as if he's consumed by other things that is delaying his response to things that are happening throughout the world as you and I are living and experiencing our life here, stewarding the remainder of the time that God has given us to do deeds while in the flesh. Um, God is not delayed, meaning he is not slow, beloved, as you consider him to be because of the time. Um, he's actually being very patient. Because he understands the implications of his return. What does that mean? He understands that right now we still have time. And it is his desire that none would perish. None. Um, not the relative that you've been praying for. Not the spouse. Not the child. Not... Um, the cousin, not the aunt, not the uncle, not the mom, not the dad, um, not the coworker, um, not the grocery store clerk, not the barista, um, not the gas station attendant, um, not the corrupt governmental leader, um, not the king, not the prince, not the national ruler of a nation. Um, he's not desiring that any would perish. Um, he's not desiring that any would perish, not the adulterer, not the alcoholic. Um, he's not desiring that any would perish, not the murderer, not the pedophile. Um, he's not desiring that any would perish, not the sex trafficker, not the drug trafficker. Um, he's not desiring that any would perish. Um, not the members of the radical ideology militant militia groups. Um, he's not desiring that any would perish. And in fact, because of this desire for creation and allowing them time in hopes that they would turn, 
Um, he's not desiring that any would perish, but he's hoping that men would come unto repentance. Because when time comes to an end, there will be no more time to turn. And that is going to be a terrible situation for some. Prophets prophesied that at the end of the age, at the coming again of the Son of Man, when God would release his son, King Jesus, to come once again, we know he came once, but he is coming again, to come once again, that that moment, that day, that experience, prophets prophesied and described it as both great and terrible. Jesus himself said that he would be coming with judgment and reward. Um, and at the end of time, when there is no more time, there will be no more time for that desire that God has now, that he is being very patient with creation in time in order to see it accomplished and that purpose fulfilled, which is that the hope that none would perish, but that all would come unto repentance. Uh, because again, one of the primary purposes of the age that you and I are experiencing and living in right now is for the preparing of a people for Jesus. And God is trying to build a big family. He's a family man. And he's trying to build a big family. And he's trying to include as many as he possibly can. Um, now you would say, well, he's God. Why can't he just override the system that he created and make men turn? Um, but here I feel like Peter in the encouragement, beloved, uh, you must understand um, that God is glorified. One of the ways that God is glorified is through the surrender of the creation that he has formed. He could take it from you, um, but he longs for the day when you'll come and give it to him out of your own will, out of your own desire, out of the intimate access and the beautiful fellowship that he has made himself available to you. Yes, he could take it from you because he is all powerful, um, but he wouldn't be all powerful if he could not have it without taking it. And so one of the ways that he is glorified in it without taking it is by you surrendering it and bringing it to him um, by the way that he has loved you over time to where you will give him all things. And he doesn't have to simply just override the system and take it from you, even if he knows it's what's best for you. There are a lot of ways that God is being glorified and will be glorified. But in the moment that you and I are living, I think at times our hearts uh, we experience, um, as the proverb says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Um, hope deferred makes the heart sick. I think at times because we don't understand what Peter was encouraging as the delay that we feel. That it may seem like God is delayed but he's definitely not disconnected. It may seem like in moments in time, it's hard to understand what he's doing, right? Some of us right now in America, just with the political situation that we're going through, we're having a hard time trying to figure out where God fits in all of this. And that's just one unique scenario. That's just one unique scenario. And at times, because God is not doing what we think he should be doing, what we want him to do, what our right now, um, let's just say, uh, current idea of who he is wants him to do, um, we experience trouble and hardship. And at times we wonder to ourselves, man, like, God, where are you? And what are you doing? How do you fit here? I don't understand this. Why is this lasted longer than I think it should? 
Why haven't you done something about this already? Why haven't you reconciled this? Why don't you fix this? Why don't you rush in and take care of this? Right, right. This is the place that many times, if we're going to be honest, we find ourselves like Habakkuk. Injustice, injustice. My God, where are you? Um, But the encouragement comes when we understand that at times we feel like God is delayed, but he's definitely not disconnected because he's not like us. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. His wisdom, right? Paul communicates this in 1 Corinthians 2. The wisdom of the spirit at times is actually offensive to the natural fleshly man and his own wisdom, his human intellect, his fleshly ability to ration and reason. Human intellect and the way that human intellect analyzes the world and the circumstances thereof at times is directly opposed and offended. It is hostile to the wisdom that God has, which is by his spirit. Um, at times, we're, we're just offended at what God is doing and the way that he's doing it. Why? Because it's not what I prefer. It's not the way that I would have chosen to do it. It doesn't fit well in the box of my preferences. Um, we're finding out right now, again, And I'm only using the political scenario, not because I'm all wrapped up in it, but because so many are all wrapped up in it. And it's just something that is an easy illustration right now to beautifully reveal the point. Um, The point is uh, right now, again, if we use that category, the political situation, um, there are many that because they're not experiencing what they prefer, who are just all bent out of shape. Um, because God, I thought you would have done this. God, I wanted you to do this. Um, and God is seated and he's at rest and a day is like a thousand years. Um, and he doesn't fit himself into the demands of your time frame or any time frame because he built the whole frame of time. Therefore, he doesn't have to be in bondage to it. He is always on time. He does what he is doing, which is what he wants. And if it doesn't fit well with us, he conforms us to his desires rather than becoming subservient to ours. And we could wrap the whole thing up right there. Um, But we'll take two more minutes and then I'll pray for you. Um, Because this, at least if to nobody else, is amazing to me and is doing my heart so, so good right now. Um, He does not have to fit into my time frame because he made the whole frame of time. And it is a tool in his hand and not mine. Um, Which means Jesus is Lord over time and not you, not your desires, not your demands, not at times our manipulative wieldings of our own spiritual devotions, um, thinking that we can make God do something outside of what he desires to do and reveal himself in a way that he already is not or desires to be, that he would interject himself in some way that he has not already determined or purposed. Uh, It just doesn't go that way. Um, So some of us, would do really well to hear um, your desires, your demands, your devotion is not Lord over time. Uh, Jesus is. He is Lord over time. And time is serving his purpose. And he will be glorified in time at the end of time because of the purposes that he worked out in time that at times are a little difficult for us to understand or perceive because of the way that time rests upon our lives. Uh, And there you have it, green eggs and ham. Uh, Yes, Sam, I am. (laughs) This is really amazing. Uh, It's really amazing, as a matter of fact. And I'm going to pray for those of us that have been frustrated for those of us that have been um, feeling distant from God's purposes because of the way that we have perceived certain delays to mean that God is disconnected altogether. 
again, a day is like a thousand years. And we may perceive a delay and think that God is disconnected, but it is not that way. Um, he is not slow. He is patient. He is patient because he is working out his purposes throughout the nations of the world. And because he's a family man, he's trying to build a bigger family, a beautiful people harvested from every tribe, nation, and tongue, um, fashioned by the power and the work of the spirit, no spot, wrinkle, no blemish. Um, the bride will have made herself ready. And we will then come to the moment that Revelation 19 describes as the marriage supper of the Lamb. Um, beloved, I encourage you to behold the Lamb in these days. To be able to see your own life as an ambassador and as a representative of Jesus. And not as these worldly kingdoms and purposes. Not all of these earthly, fleshly movements and ideas and ideologies, um, but to see yourself in light of the I is no longer alive. I am a bondservant. I am a slave. My life has been chained to King Jesus, and I want to steward my life well. And stewarding my life well looks like honoring him and his mission in the nations of the world while there is still time to do so. While there is still time to do so, because he's not slow, he's patient. And he doesn't want any to perish, but he wants all to come to repentance. Um, this, is, this is what Peter told them on that day when he preached on the day of Pentecost. He says, you need to understand that God was being gracious to you. How? By raising up a repentance preacher. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, the repentance preacher that you crucified, um, the way that God was longing to bless you was by way of raising up a repentance preacher among you that would preach repentance to you, which is providing you with the opportunity to turn while there is still time so that when time ends and you have not turned, you don't enter into what the experience is at the end of the age known as the terrible day of the Lord rather than the great day of the Lord. Um, and God was trying to bless you. How? He put a repentance preacher in your midst. Um, we should be providing people with an opportunity in these days to repent um, by bringing the announcement of the gospel to them. By bringing the announcement of the gospel to them. This is what Paul said. Um, I see myself as a representative of Jesus. On behalf of Jesus, I beg you, be reconciled to God. He saw himself as an ambassador, which meant like we covered last time, he was a hope dealer and a reconciler. He carried the word of reconciliation, the ministry of reconciliation, bringing hope to all creation. How? Through the announcement of the gospel that the world and all of its systems and all of its constructs and all of what right now we are so persuaded to put our anchor and hope in, it will all pass, it will all crumble. It will all be judged and Jesus will be enthroned and glorified even though right now in our hearts it will be at the end of the age physically upon the earth and he will reign forever alongside of a beautiful people that he is purposed to fashion by the power of the Holy Ghost now until the end of time that he will possess at the end of time to rule with him. Um, What's the hope? That's the hope. The announcement of the gospel. In these days, we bring hope to creation by announcing the gospel to them. And in the announcement of the gospel, men find the opportunity to turn from their own ways and desires in order to repent, pledge their allegiance to Jesus, and now live in light of Jesus as King, honoring him every day for the remainder of our lives until there is no more time, whether to our lives or time as we know it. We honor him as a covenant lover, as one who has laid down 
their own will, their own way. We're not fighting to establish our own rule and desires anymore. My life belongs to another. I'm an ambassador. I'm a representative. And I want him to be honored in me as I represent him while there's still time to do so. We preach the gospel in these days. We bring the announcement of the gospel to our neighborhoods, to our cities, to the nations of the world. Because God is not slow. He's being patient with your neighborhood. He's being patient with your city. He's being patient with your region, with your nation. He's being patient with the nations of the world because he has a desire. And it's that none would perish, but that all would come into repentance. Because there is coming a moment where there will no longer be an opportunity to repent. Um, and that should trouble our hearts. Those of us who have had a taste, who have seen a glimpse, those of us who have been possessed, that should trouble our hearts. We should understand and be seized by the prophetic declaration throughout the Old Testament that there is a terrible day of the Lord coming for those who have not repented and turned. And while there is still time, we preach. While there is still time, we represent the king. While there is still time, we ready our own hearts and the nations of the world for the coming again of this wonderful, beautiful, meek, broken, righteous, just, merciful, tender king. Because as he said himself, he will come again. Thanks again for listening to the podcast today. We pray that it has fanned into flame the love that you have for him. If you would like more information about Burning Ones, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel, follow us on social media, visit our website, burningones.org, or download our app.